1 Corinthians 13, 13. Everybody has heard this, at least if you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this whole entire chapter read. It says, now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And we all hear about faith a lot, I think. I, I know I have. I've heard tons and tons and still do give myself to hearing a lot of teaching on faith and what faith is. And, and you know, the just, that's us who've, been, who've embraced Jesus, the just, the Bible says, live by faith. And we know about love. If you care to New Testament churches, I'll tell you what, if you don't know God loves you by now, if you've gone for a, a month, He's crazy about you, but we know about love, and God is love, and he has placed his love in us. We hear a lot about love, but I, when I heard this word hope in my spirit, I just thought, I haven't heard a lot, a lot about that. I, the truth is, I probably have, but it didn't, you didn't hear it. You heard it, but you didn't hear it type thing. So these three things are eternal and important. Apparently, God, God wrote that, so it's very important. But these, these three things remain. They never will pass away. And in this, in this scripture, it talks about things that currently are happening on, in life right now and things that are, are temporary and that will pass away. But these three remain. And, and hope is in that, in that, in that list of, of those three. People misrepresent these words and just how, all of them, right? How loosely they... Like love, for instance, you know, I love pizza, I love fishing, I love my wife, I love God. Okay, something's got to be different there. And we, we've heard about the different kinds of love. Well, what we want to know is, you know, what, what does the Bible say about love? And there are other loves, forms of love in the Bible, phileo, brotherly love. And um, agape, of course, is the God kind of love, and that's... A, that's covered in, in 1 Corinthians 13, this, this chapter I just read from. <clears throat> and then we have, you know, faith. You know, the, I, don't, I don't even ever hear anybody use that. Like, you keep the faith, bro. I don't know what that means. And hope, you know, you hear all the time that typically the, the context is, yeah, I sure, I sure hope so. Sure hope not. I hope I win. I hope we can make it to your party. I really hope we can. Is that hope? I hope, hope I don't get sick. And that's truthfully broken down. That kind of hope is just wishing. We want to know what the Bible definition of hope is. And the Bible definition of hope is very, very different. So the Bible definition of hope, I looked it up in the Strong Concordance, and, and, and uh, just to not assume everybody knows what that is, it's, it's all the words in the Bible based off the King James Version. And the Old Testament words originally taken from the Hebrew the New Testament words are taken from the Greek, and I looked these up. So I looked up, I actually looked up every single form of hope in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to be focusing on the New Testament words. Really, it, all the definitions were basically the same. Um, but the first one, this is used seven times in the, in the New Testament, um, E-L-P-I-Z-O. Uh, and it's to expect or confide or to trust. And the next one is used many times, 51 times in the New Testament. 51 times it's used to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation or confidence. 
And I've heard some ministers say that Bible, the Bible hope is a white, hot, fervent expectancy on what God's word says and God and his word. A white, hot expectancy. I think that's a great, a great definition. And in the Vines uh, Expository Dictionary, the, these word, this word hope from the Bible, the hope describes the happy anticipation of good. A happy anticipation of good. And another uh, definition is this hope has to do with the unseen and the future. So you actually can't see this hope. You can't see hope. It has to do with the unseen and it has to do with the future. But I, I love that first definition, uh, the happy anticipation of good. It's a joyous expectancy of good. And we know God is good, right? All the time, all the time. God is good. Romans 8, 23 through 25 in the, in the voice translation. says, And there is more. It's not just creation. All of us are groaning together too. Though we have already tasted the first fruits of the Spirit, we are longing for the total redemption of our bodies that comes when our adoption as children of God is complete. For we have been saved in this hope and for this future. But hope does not involve what we already have or see. Just like that definition said, hope is not something we have yet or see. It's, it's a future and it's unseen. For who goes around hoping for what he already has? But if we wait expectantly for things we have never seen, then we hope with true perseverance, and eager anticipation. In Ephesians 17, 18, or through 18 in the Amplified, it says, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, and the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. And this is part of a prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians, and, and there's a few more prayers in Colossians and Philippians he prays, but these are, these are awesome prayers. And I know many people that pray these over themselves and over, over others, loved ones, and, and to see the effect of these prayers on people's lives. And, and one is home in heaven right now that stands out to me. And he prayed these over himself. And the revelation that man received, just, I mean, it, you can see that that was the fruit of, the, of those prayers. But this part of the verse where I have emboldened, eyes of your heart. And that word in another transla- other translations is understanding. Uh, and it's the Greek word dianoia. And it means deep thought, or imagination. And I, I recently listened to a, a really great series on this, this subject of hope, and this, the, the minister uh, gave a very simple definition, a, a very broken down simple definition of hope is, is a po- having a positive imagination. Positive imagination. Do you realize that we were 
in God's imagination. And we showed up. He imagined us. He dreamed of us. And we showed up. That's awesome. And we were created in his image and his likeness. And imagination is not just some little childish thing you do and daydream and stuff like that. But we'll see as we go through that. It's, it's a God-given gift. And we're supposed to exercise that beautiful imagination on his promises and his word and what he says about us. And, and um, just to, to create and cultivate that hope in our heart. Uh, the opposite, I guess, of this uh, would be a heart of unbelief, a heart of hope, full of hope. And a heart of unbelief, I would think, would be the, the, kind of the polar opposite. It would be a, a negative imagination, a negative imagination. And, uh, and we should, you know, like I just said, as we renew our minds, <clears throat> excuse me, to the word of God, and we hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you, you hear preached from this, from this pulpit uh, on a consistent basis and, and others are proclaiming the goodness of God's grace and the goodness of God. There should be that rising up in you, that rising up in you, that hope, that fervent expectancy of his promises. That we, we just went through 10 weeks of learning about it is God's will that we walk in wholeness, that we walk healed and whole. That was an amazing series. And that alone, hope should have risen up in you. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the words about Christ. But there is a hope birthed in you, an intense expectation birthed in you when you hear the word of God and you begin to feed on and to remind yourself of what he has brought you through. I'm getting ahead of myself. But so, so hope in its simplest form would be a, a positive imagination. I'm not, don't get that confused with, you know, new agey kind of stuff. I'm talking about based on the word of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 in the King James Version says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this word, imagination, is different from that other one uh, that was translated uh, eyes of our heart or understanding. And it talk, the, the previous verse of this talked about that we, we don't war against flesh and blood. Our war is not against people. Our war is a, it's a spiritual war. And it talks about we have the ability, the power to cast down imaginations. So let's look at this word imagination in the Greek I'm going to try to say it. Logismos, L-O-G-I-S-M-O-S, meaning reasoning, the conscience, or conceit, computation. Usually the first thing that you hear is from the Holy Spirit. If you're, there's a, a situation like, you know, if, God, if you just have this prompting or this urge to, like, say, bless somebody, and then you sit there, and, well, this is the only $20 I have in my pocket, or this is, you know, whatever. I'm just using it as an example. That first impulse, that first thing is usually the Holy Spirit rises up in your spirit saying, say in that situation, bless somebody. And I've been here how, however many thousands of times <laughs> reasoning away what I just heard, what, what I just heard the Spirit of God say to me. And you start, there, that word, this, you know, that def, part of the definition is computation. I think it just has to do with, it, it has to do with the, I, I really think breakdown, it's carnal mindedness. You start reasoning, and you start 
you're, you're basing this decision on your feelings, your, you know, your five physical senses. How is this going to affect me? You, you reason yourself right out of it. And we're, you know, compared to what we just heard from the Word of God, say, in a situation, we have the ability, we, we should be quick to do it, is to cast down those reasonings and, and, and be quick to respond to what God has, has prompted us to do. Philippians 4.8 in the Amplified. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true. So this, this is going in to tell us about what we should be thinking about. Things that generally what we should, as, as believers in Christ, where our minds should be. So again, Philippians 4.8 in the Amplified. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. So we're to have our minds fixed on positive things. And, you know, on the, in this list, and let me just give you some examples. We just got out of a series, a 10-week series on healing. A great way to engage and to exercise that positive ma- imagination, that, that command that Jesus gave in Mark 16, the end of Mark 16, go into all the world, you know, preach the gospel, talked about laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Imagine yourself doing that. Imagine yourself, start with yourself. Imagine yourself, if you're getting attacked in your body, Lay hands on yourself. I do it all the time. Lay hands on your family. Be quick to do it over your kids. Be quick to do it over your wife. And uh, that's, that's the first thing that they, they expect that already in our house. It's, if any junk tries to get on them, it's just, let's go. Let's do this. But imagine seeing yourself doing that. Imagine seeing yourself laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Imagine being used flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Imagine yourself walking in what God has already laid out before you. He wants to work through you. We are the body of Christ, and that's how it's going to happen. So imagine, get, get caught away, get wrapped up, get lost in imagining the things that God has for you as his child, that God has promised in his word Imagine yourself the way God sees you. Start using your imagination and see yourself the way God sees you. Imagine yourself doing the works of Jesus in the Gospel of John. He said, it's been set up here from this pulpit quite a few times, but Jesus said, the works that I do will you do, and greater works than these because I'm going to my Father. So start seeing yourself, imagining yourself doing the works of Jesus. He went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. You know, the, the hands are in the body and we are the body of Christ. So we got the hand. I think generally, you know, people hear of, oh, there's something going around, whatever that is, flu, whatever, stuff going around. And in reality, as children of God, as those who have the resurrection life of God in them, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Should we fear, this is a rhetorical question, should we fear sickness and disease? Should we fear, like, oh, don't get around me. No, you need to get around me. You need, to, you need to let me lay my hands on you because there's resurrection life in me because the Bible says that. 
I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of sickness and disease because it's already been paid for. Maybe that sounds completely crazy. Well, you're shocking me. Slow down, Mr. Frank. What are you doing? But that's, that's the reality. That's what the word says. Can you see Jesus? Uh, hey, when you're, when you're at the tail end of this thing, and then I'll lay my hands on you. He, you know, leprosy, whatever. It's on. Let's do this. And should we, should we be any less bold? I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being a turnoff for, for the name of Jesus. But I'm talking about, let's check ourselves. What are we imagining? What's the first thing that comes up when we hear somebody, I don't know, sneeze, cough, whatever, like, oh, oh, get away, get away, get the sanitary wipes out, get whatever, you know. And uh, that's, you know, it's just common stuff, right? That's what we hear in the natural, in the world, everywhere. But maybe we should change our thinking. I don't think maybe. I think we should. But imagine blessing people wherever you go. I mean, I, I sit there, I don't do it every single day, all day long or anything, but I make it a point to daydream. I imagine myself paying off crazy stuff, like writing a check and paying off the church or writing a check and paying off somebody's house because there's no way I could do that in my own doing. But with God, all things are possible. So dream big. He said he's going to top whatever you're thinking. As big as you can think, God's bigger than that. So I do crazy stuff like that. I'll sit there and think about paying. I mean, I've, me and my wife have you know, paid off somebody's vehicle or whatever and just prompted by the Holy Spirit, just take care of that, whatever. Um, it wasn't a great amount. But it's, it's, it's starting to build this different thinking in you, this different, uh, we're talking about hope and um, this anticipation of good. And so I, I, would, I would encourage you, dream big, dream big. Build that, cultivate that hope in your, in your heart because we have a big God. He's a big dreamer and we're big dreamers because we are made in his image. And Hebrews 11.1, 1, you've heard this verse, New King James Version says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith and hope are linked up here. Some believers, this is, I, I read an uh, article um, called Dream On uh, by Kenneth Copeland. I was just kind of looking for different resources. I was putting the message together, and there's something he said, and, and uh, I'm going to actually quote from that later too, but something he said that really hit me, and it says, when believers don't cultivate hope in their hearts, faith is left with nothing to do. So faith is the substance of things intensely expected, fervently expected. Faith is the substance. Faith is the evidence. You can't see hope. You can see faith. Jesus saw faith all the time. But there was a hope that that faith was birthed out of. That, that, that hope is the, is the conception in your heart of that thing that we see manifest through faith. And faith without, the, you know, James 2.20 says faith without corresponding action is dead. So we're constantly seeing, I mean, countless examples of faith in the word of God. You, you know, Jesus saw 
people's faith. He said that out of his mouth. He said, I, you know, I see your faith. And we're going to go through some examples of that. But hope is that thing that faith is birthed out of, that intense expectancy of goodness. Do you get that? I, I, I don't ever want you to think of hope the same way again. It's, hope is always an intense expectancy. And it's not just, it's on in someone that hope is in the Lord. Romans 15, 4 in the King, New King James Version says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So hope building definitely comes from the Word of God and hearing the Word of God and seeing examples of that in, in the Old Testament. This is referring specifically to that. But it's, it, it's, that it's for our comfort so that we might have hope. When we see people acting in faith in God, we can see that hope and that in their lives because that was birth out of hope, whatever they, whatever they did, the exploits they did for God. We're going we're gonna to read a lot, so I might sit down for this. But 1 Samuel 17, 26, this is David, Goliath, the whole story, Goliath coming in for 40 days or something, just threatening the heck out of the Israelites. They're all shaking in their boots. It's, you know, it's a grim situation. David comes up, this little kid, keeping the sheep and all that. David asked the soldier standing nearby, uh, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Everybody else was afraid of this guy. I think David felt sorry for him. Like, this guy's about ready to just lose it. He, he doesn't even know what he's up against. And David's talking this big talk. And this came, I, usually, I think I just uh, read this verse a few messages ago that I did, but you can see an intense expectation of who he is, of, of his God, the God that the Israelites are in covenant with. You can see it. I mean, hope is not seen, but you can see that this is faith talking, and that came out of a place of hope. And do we have the same hope in our new covenant promises that are better, the word says, that are cut in the blood of Jesus? Do we have that same boldness? Because we should. 1 Samuel, this is continuing on, 1 Samuel 17, 45-47 in the New Living Translation. David replied to the Philistine, because he shot his mouth off. So David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. So he's like, I, got, I started thinking into this, heaven's armies. He's like, I got a whole army behind me. You can't see him, but you don't scare me. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. Those words of faith in, in his God came out of a place of hope in his God. He spent a lot of time out in 
pastures, tending sheep, killing bears and lions with his bare hands. Uh, He did this. Worshiping God, writing psalms, cultivating a hope in who he belonged to. Cultivating a hope in his heart. And he, again, I really think he felt sorry for Goliath. He's like, this guy is, this is his last day. I think that's awesome. I just, these are for us to imagine. I mean, this sounds kind of gross. I'm cutting it off and slinging it around. And I think he probably took it home. Somebody said he hung it up in his bedroom. But there's a boldness there. Because if it came, I believe it came from a place of hope of intense expectation in who his God was and how his God showed himself strong in his life before that. Should we be imagining speaking to the giants that we face in our life like this and basically look at it like this is a complete joke? You know, like sickness and disease tries to attack our body. Are you serious? Like this is a joke. I mean, we should, we should be attacking that fervently with that intense expectancy, that place in our heart where our expectancy, that fervent, white, hot expectancy resides. And then we see that faith when speaking and attacking that or laying hands on the sick or whatever. But there is, a, there is a boldness that every believer, God wants every believer to walk in knowing who their God is. Mark 25 through 34, in the New King James Version. I'll read fast, but I'll try to articulate well. Okay, so now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Twelve years of this flow of blood, and she spent everything she had, and she actually got worse. I would tend to say that that is a good definition of hopeless. I mean, her hope had to be completely just zapped from her, her heart. It was, that was it. Like, I'm done. I'm out of money. 12 years of doxy and doctors for this, nobody can fix it. That's it. I'm going to bleed to death. Until she heard about Jesus. A thing where, you know, this flow of blood made her unclean. She wasn't even supposed to really be around people. So she... There was a whole, you, I, I, I look beyond into this story and you see a person whose hope was recultivated, hearing about Jesus. And there, you just think about it. And however, maybe she saw him healing the sick or, and she was hearing things. 
and she knows she's a, she's a Jewish woman. He calls her daughter. And, you know, healing is the children's bread. So it was hers to take hold of. But I can imagine her coming to that place of utter hopelessness and then hearing about Jesus, and that he's going around doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. And she starts thinking about this, and it starts building in her, and, and this expectancy starts rising in her. I mean, even before she got there, she said, if I only touch his clothes, not even his skin, not if he touches me, if I can just get a hold of his clothes, I'm going to be whole. And we see that faith arise out of that place of hope in her. She had an intent. I can see she had an intense expectancy. If I can touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. And there was just this, and that, that hope rose up and faith manifested. Faith speaks. We learned that. Faith speaks. Faith acts. But you can see a hopeless person and that changed when she heard of Jesus. Luke 5, 17 through 26. This is the last example. New King James Version. This is about four really cool guys, good friends, crazy kids. Uh, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's awesome in itself. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. In the Gospel of Mark, it talks about there's four guys that brought this guy in. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So they sought to bring him and lay him before Jesus. They couldn't do that, so we're going to figure out a new way to do this. So they lowered him down through the rooftop. And when he, this is seeing, again, faith can be seen. When he saw, when Jesus saw their faith, he saw their faith, because faith has corresponding action. He said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemy? See, they were reasoning. They didn't cast down that imagination. Uh, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Strange things. I think these four guys were full of hope. Because of Jesus. I mean, they were determined. Now, you couldn't see the hope, but you could see the faith that it was birthed out of. They had an intense expectancy. You don't I don't know how many people would have gotten to that point where there was crowds outside, couldn't get in the house, people everywhere, not even close. All right, well, I guess we'll have to try tomorrow. Keep a good eye on them. Um, somebody track them down. Keep, 
find out where he's going next or whatever. No, they were, okay, this is happening today. So they got on a roof. I don't know what roofs were like back then. I'm not sure, you know, I don't have any frame of reference for that. I haven't done studies on, on that, but it, it's a roof. So that's pretty crazy. I started thinking, how did they get up there, first of all? I don't know how big the roof was. I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was on the side of a hill. A little dirt came up to it. It's kind of easy. I don't know. Either way, they weren't leaving. They were going to get this guy, their buddy, in front of Jesus. And it was going to be on. And it was. Jesus saw their faith. But again, I, I'm, I'm talking about hope. And that faith came out of a place of hope. Out of a place of intense expectancy. Intense fervent, white-hot expectancy in the goodness of God and what they were seeing in Jesus' ministry, going about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. There was this hope that was birthed in their heart that was cultivated in them by, by this. So how do we cultivate hope? Ecclesiastes 9.4 says, this is kind of a funny scripture in a way, says, there is hope only for the living. As they say, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. So if you're alive, you got hope. There's hope. If you're breathing, there's hope. Maybe somebody in here, maybe people in here have felt, there is no hope for me in this situation. There is no hope for uh, my kids or, or whatever. If you're alive, they're alive it ain't too late. It ain't too late. There is, there is hope. There is hope. And I ask, what are, you, what are you listening to? Who are you hearing throughout your days, throughout your weeks? What are you listening to? A voice that's cultivating hope in your heart or things that are breathing nothing but doom and gloom? And, 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 and creating this hopeless thing, whether it's your worldview, like, oh my gosh, everything's just going right to the toilet. And it kind of looks like that, you know, things are just crazy. But take, a, take an inventory of what you're hearing, who you're hearing. I know a lady that I think 99% of the time, her name's mom, 99% of the time, she has the voice of preaching and teaching. Usually it's Andrew Womack going throughout her house. It's pretty cool. But she takes, you know, she takes that serious. And uh, what do you, I'm not telling you you got to listen to some minister I'm telling you to listen to. I'm not telling you to listen to anybody, but who are you listening to? And is it cultivating a hope? Is it cultivating that that fervent expectancy on God and his promises and his word. Is it doing that? Or are you listening to things that are taking away and stealing, stealing your hope? Because that, that great, um, I forgot what I said already, but that great statement that was made, uh, Kenneth Copeland made, that basically it's, without hope, it, faith has nothing to do. It's birthed out of that. Faith is birthed out of that hope. I mean, there are infinite resources available today. I don't think I have to go through the list. Infinite resources to feed yourself. I'm not saying you have to listen to the Bible on whatever device you'd listen to it on 24 hours a day. I mean, it wouldn't hurt. But 
take inventory. What am I hearing? Is it stealing my hope or is it, is it birthing a hope in me on God's word? Psalm 139, 17 through 18, New Living Translation, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. A great place to cultivate hope in your heart. Get overwhelmed with how much you are loved by the Father. Just right here, his thoughts about you outnumber the grains of sand. When you wake up, I think he's just sitting there looking at you, watching you sleep every night, thinking about you. He, she is so awesome. They're so cool. I love their hair or no hair. They'll get it back when they come up, when their bodies are redeemed. I got them numbered. I know how many they should have. But that's, that's the imagining that we have to get carried away with. He's nuts about us. I love this scripture. And that will cultivate that hope. And I mean, the more you fall in love with him, he's, I think the more easy it is just when you hear the goodness of God and the gospel being preached, the more it's easier just to receive. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that's right. The resurrection power of God's in me. He's so crazy about me. He gave me everything in Jesus. He didn't hold anything back according to Romans 8.32. If he gave me Jesus, he's going to give me everything with Jesus. So it's, it's amazing. Psalm 77, 11 through 12 in the New Living Translation. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. And that's just putting yourself in remembrance. That's a way to cultivate hope, is to put yourself in remembrance what God has brought you out of, where he has brought you to. Maybe your family was a complete mess only a short time ago, and now they're all not messy. Put yourself in remembrance of those things. When I was, this isn't part of the message, but when, you know, when I received my uh, miracle uh, freedom, uh, deliverance from Tourette's syndrome. I think about that all the time. I think about that moment all the time. I think about how God lined up these crazy conversations with people at work. And not to, in a good way, I wasn't stealing from work, talking to people. I was, I was doing it in a good way. But he just kept lying. I didn't ever have to go to anybody. But I think about these things. I think about those, those people that came to, to the saving knowledge of Jesus, and, and I think, I, I sat there, and I remember when I received that, that miracle, and I remember just screaming at the top of my lungs, God, you know, all I want to do is, I want this to bring people to you. I want people to know you through this. I want, I want this to glorify your name on this earth, and, and I've seen that, and it's just, it starts building this hope, this expectancy. I know who my God is. You know, whatever it is, wherever he's brought you from or brought you to, Maybe you think every, you're cool and you've always been good and everything's good and you don't need to think about that. But remind, remember, put yourself in remembrance of God's goodness in your own life, of God's goodness in, in, in the examples of those we see, we read about in the Old Testament, like we just read about David and just, and just the things that he had to face, the, 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 the battles they had to face head on, and then knowing that they were stronger than the Lord and the power of his might. It's a great way to cultivate hope and that fervent expectancy in your heart. Psalm 63, 6 in the voice translation, 
Often at night, I lie in bed and remember you meditating on your greatness till morning smiles through my window. And that word meditating is best illustrated as a cow chewing the cud. Over and over and over, you're just thinking and kind of mulling over. Oh, God, you're so awesome. You're just, thank you for, thank you for saving my marriage. Thank you for letting me marry up. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for this local church body. I mean, just start cultivating and, and meditating on his goodness, what he's done for you and what he has promised you in his word. That's going to cultivate that hope and, and, and it makes faith is going to arise out of that. This is three more statements I took from that uh, article called Dream On, and it really revolved around hope, of the Bible kind of hope. Says, he, he said in this, real Bible hope is born out of Holy Spirit-inspired dreams, dreams based and built on the promises of God's word and heaven's bounty. A dream becomes hope when the dreamer starts expecting it to come to pass. And then he said, a little later, he said, too many believers have stopped dreaming. And this, is, this, hit, this last statement hit me so hard. The people you were born to bless are waiting for you to dream. That's huge. Sometimes we, we're too busy looking at ourselves and our own natural ability. And it's way bigger than us. It's not, I mean, God created each and every one of us to impact people. The gifts of the Spirit are not for you. They're to flow through you to affect other people all the time. He has placed those, he has wired you that way to be a blessing on this earth, to bring glory to his name, for your life to point to Jesus. You are to be little Jesuses walking around this place. And Jesus was definitely not a loner. He was everywhere all the time, doing good all the time. And that's how we should see ourselves. And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I sometimes just feel like, yeah, I'm just good sitting here tying flies or whatever I do. You know, just like, but there's more. There's, God has gifted me. God has gifted you. God has placed things in you to change other people's lives. And when we lack that dreaming big thing, that imagination that God has given us to imagine these awesome things, just simply to imagine what he said about us in his word, imagine ourselves walking in those promises that hope arises, that hope is built up in your heart, and out of it, that faith comes. And Romans 15, 13, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is gonna be a prayer over, over you guys. This word abound in this scripture, I'm gonna tell you the definition first. I looked it up. Abound means to superabound in quality or quantity, to be in excess, to exceed enough and to spare, remain over and above. Colossians 1.27, this is, this, is this is a scripture that stands out to me when I hear the word hope. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery 
among the Gentiles. That would be people without God. That was us. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of God's goodness. So Romans 15, 13 in the Amplified, and I pray this over you people right now and whoever's listening. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.